Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's draft week, everybody, and boy, are we kicking off the shows this week in style. Jamie has done it. He has put together what is, as of this moment, his final predictive mock draft. He will tell you that he reserves the opportunity to oh, correct change, this probably. up until the time he has to submit it for the Huddle Report contest. And Jamie's submitting for, what is this, the third year in a row for you? Third or fourth. This will be my first and so we yeah. will go through mine later in the week because mine, not done yet, not ready to showcase the world. Jamie has sent it to me. We are recording this Sunday night for Monday morning. It is not live yet technically on the site when we are recording the show. It will be live by the time you hear this. So Jamie has sent me a private link. I can see it. I'm going to scroll through it one pick at a time. I have not seen any of these no, picks. See, you have no idea what this We're going to react to it at one by one. We will have a fun conversation here on the show about these picks. Jamie's thought process behind them. I will tell him how much I hate some of these picks, how much I am not going to make this same picks as him and this should be a lot of fun here to start the week off i want to preface this by saying this the the goal here this was a predictive mock so this is what i think as of right the second is in my own brain most likely to happen on draft day now my my final 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 one will come out wednesday night where i'll submit it to huddle report it'll be on the website along with by the way our entire crew will have their final predictive mocks on the website Wednesday night, the night before the draft, before the deadline for Huddle Report. But this is, as of right this second, my best guess of how round one is going to go on Thursday night. This Thursday night, Chris, it's here. It's 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 a lot of Crazy. fun. Uh, I'm very Crazy. I'm very nervous. I'm very anxious. I am wading into the predictive mock waters for the first time in my life. I have never done this. I have over in years past. I've been so busy with other stuff that I have avoided drawing this assignment. But this year, yes, I can't not do it. I host two shows here. I've been talking about this draft cycle all year long. I have to at least finally dive cannonball into the pool and see how well I do in the first one. So I'm excited. I'm scared. I'm nervous. I'm anxious. I'm all those things wrapped up into one and you should be and i will say this after doing it again i spent way too many hours i've been working on this since thursday and i've spent more hours than i care to admit and i will not admit on this show and at the end of it i came out and i hate it and hate myself more love it love it that's exactly that exactly what we're looking for so i will tell you I feel pretty good about the number one pick. I believe you and I are going to have the same yes. number one pick. Yes, so I'm going to scroll. I'm going to scroll down here and just see. Yes, the Carolina Panthers selected Sean Bryce Clifford. Young. No, Bryce oh. Young, number one to the to the Carolina Panthers. We do not have to spend any more time on this than I think we've already had the last couple nauseum. of weeks. Uh, this is what I you and no I both think is happening. This will be Correct. my top predictive uh, spot, and I will go from Correct. there. The draft for me in this predictive mock really starts at number two. Yeah, we at, at this point, there's no reason to believe that Bryce Young will not be the first overall pick in the draft. And if you don't know why, listen to every other episode we've done. Now, we, we I have not scrolled down to number two yet, but I will share you my thoughts oh, before we get into it. Gets it gets spicy right away. So, you have, uh, you've done one of three things, okay? You've done one okay. of three things. You've either selected... Tyree Wilson, because I saw a, 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 a version 1.0 of this where you did this exact thing, yeah. or you were okay. bullied by all of us who told you you were crazy, you changed it to Will Anderson, or you did the third thing where you traded out of the spot. And I don't know what you did, so I'm going to scroll down. I did down. the third thing. You did. You I will not be bullied by my colleagues. You traded out of the spot. Oh my goodness, you, you went absolute anarchy. 
with the second pick. You have Minnesota Explain coming the all the way up to take Will Levis at number two. I'm not. I, I'm here all to right. tell you, Jamie. I'm not going to be here with you on this. So we're already going right, to be separated. This is absurd. Let's talk about this. So it sounds absurd, but there's been a lot, and I mean a lot of loud whispers behind the scenes that Minnesota is working tirelessly to move up in the draft and to move up specifically to get Will Levis. Uh, If you noticed over the weekend or happened to see my tweet on Saturday talking about the dramatic odd shifts for the number two overall pick with now Will Levis becoming the odds-on favorite for that spot, I don't think that's happening because the Texans are taking him. Uh, I think that's happening because there's going to be a trade-up. We have heard about multiple teams that have been interested, and I've heard from multiple people that Minnesota is extremely interested and extremely motivated to make this move. And I obviously know that the popular trading spot is number three, but I'm also wondering if the Cardinals and their current ownership front office, also the stuff that's been going on, Um, I wonder if there's a little bit of paralysis by analysis for the Cardinals at number three and if they haven't that they might have overplayed their hand early and might end up finding themselves without a trade partner uh, because of just some of the chaos there. So uh, I have Minnesota moving up. I know they like Will Levis. Uh, If they move up, they'd be targeting Will Levis. They need a quarterback after this coming season. This is Kirk Cousins last year under contract and they've made it pretty clear that uh, they're not going to extend him. They, I, and I will say this for the, I think, the 1,876th time in this cycle, the league is higher on Will Levis than fans are. And it's just a fact that people are going to have to accept. So I, I, I love Houston trading out of the, the, the spot, right? You and I have discussed at length how much I think that that's what they should do overall. So I love the predictive nature of this. They're going to get a haul to move back as far back as yep. they did. So that's you didn't put that in there, which you don't have to, but it's clearly going to be a haul uh, in the trade. To me, I will tell you before we scroll further, I think right now where I'm leaning is I'm going to take the coward's way out and I'm going to have Indy and Arizona trade spots. And, oh. and and do it that way and have and have the Colts take a quarterback and still have the Cardinals end up with Will Anderson so that I can kind of hedge against the Coward. idea of them. Listen, listen, I gotta do what I gotta do to try to, to try to get as much points. And so that's right now where I'm leaning. But I could be convinced otherwise. So we move now to number three to see what you did here. Did you make another trade? No, you stayed at number three, and this is where you you so you stayed with the mantra that you had with number two in an earlier version, with Tyree Wilson being the first edge off the board. So he goes number three uh, to the Arizona Cardinals. And Jamie, there has been a lot of noise to this idea that there are some teams that have Tyree Wilson rated above Will Anderson on those boards, uh, on their edge boards. And clearly you think the Arizona Cardinals might be one of those teams. Hence why you have them going Tyree Wilson here at number three. Yeah, there, there's a there's a ton of momentum behind Tyree Wilson right now. And uh, I don't know if Arizona specifically has him necessarily above Will Anderson. I do think he'd be a phenomenal fit inside that defense that they're trying to build there. Uh, I think there's going to be NFL teams that are tantalized by the potential upside and the physical nature of Tyree Wilson. I would clearly take Will Anderson. I think Will Anderson Jr. is the best defensive player in this draft and is the best player overall in this draft. But I can't ignore – again, this is predictive. This is not what I would do. Uh, I can't ignore that there are a not insignificant amount of teams around the NFL that have Tyree Wilson higher on their particular board than Will Anderson. And as I mentioned in the last pick, I think Arizona might have overplayed their hand. Uh, I don't see – I mean, it's possible a team trades up here to try to get another quarterback, but I I mean, I don't want to predict a one, two, three, four quarterback, something that's literally never happened in the history of the NFL draft before. So the Cardinals might be forced to stick and pick here, and if they do, it's going to be one of those edge rushers. 
So my early guess here for pick number four is that you uh, you made one member of the TDM Premium Discord very, very happy, and you put Anthony Richardson as the picker to number I four. Did. I will scroll down, and that is exactly what you did. Yeah, this just makes the most sense with the way the quarterbacks have have uh, filled out. It has never felt like C.J. Stroud has been among the top um uh, options for the Colts. Will Levis has been rumored, but now he's off the board. Bryce Young has been rumored. He's also off the board, so you go with the next best option, and so now that's Anthony Richardson. So, I don't know too much deliberation that we need to do here. This makes sense. No. I think it tracks with a lot of the information that we have against Indy. So, through four picks, Jamie, you went a little chaotic. I think you've got two that I 100% agree with, and the middle two, it's this is where you got a little spicy. I did, and uh, again, for the Colts here, they're, they're not leaving this draft without a quarterback, and the reality is I think as much as they – I do believe they really liked Will Levis, uh, Anthony Richardson I think would be a tremendous fit uh, for what Shane Steichen wants to do in Indianapolis. So we'll see if how early and how quickly he could play if this scenario plays out. But I actually really like this player team fit in general. So they missed out maybe on their guy. Uh, depending on whether or not you believe Chris Ballard's press conference, maybe he was not their guy. He was dancing. Uh, he was dancing. He was. He was not. He was not. You know, that's what he said. He said, yeah, "I'm gonna be a dancer I, today." Yeah. So like, eh. But I, I think this would I, this would make the Colts fan base a lot happier. And I think I remarked that in the story that you'll be able to read of that. This will, the Colts fans will be way happier with Richardson than Levis, and I, I think that's what ends up happening here. And then my next guess here, and I've, I've spent a lot of time with you. We've talked about this a lot, and I'm guessing here again. I don't know these picks. I'm scrolling as we do this, but my assumption is you've made Seattle fans very, very happy, and you just you've ran in the card, and it says Will Anderson Jr. on it, and that's exactly what you did at number five. So yeah, this makes I, way too much sense. I know there's been a lot of talk about Jalen Carter being this pick here. Um, I know there's been a report from Daniel Jeremiah that the the Seahawks might have soured on Carter after the visit. I think this is more about Will Anderson Jr. And I cannot see Will Anderson being passed up by Pete Carroll, John Schneider, and company. This is an easy fit. Great pick for them. Get the best overall player in the draft at five. I think the Seahawks will be more than happy to run right up to the podium and make this pick if Will Anderson is still sitting on the board for them. So now you reach a team where you and I have disagreed at times on what this team should do with this pick. I have mentioned this as a potential B. John Robinson landing spot. I think you decided to uh, dive headfirst into they move on from Jeff Okuda. They have their pick of the entire corner class. My guess is Christian Gonzalez of Oregon is the pick here off the board. Oh, you you gave, you threw a curveball. You said not you're not going to get the you're not going to get the 97 mile an hour fastball in the outside corner. Here's a slider off the plate. You went Devin Witherspoon corner out of Illinois. This is a bit of a surprise. I thought Christian Gonzalez would be the pick here. So explain yourself. I think this is a great fit. Uh, Devin Witherspoon played a lot of man coverage, as did the Detroit Lions. So I think this is a really good combination of what the corner did in college versus what the corner did in the NFL. Uh, obviously, the Lions have done a lot of work on Devin Witherspoon in particular. And I think, obviously, there's a key opening. I, I say even with Jeff Okuda, there was a key opening. But obviously, without him, there is to kind of rebuild uh, pieces of this secondary with long-term options. You know, I, I like some of the veterans they added in free agency, but I think you're looking for a long-term outside man coverage cornerback, and I think Devin Witherspoon fits that to a T. Uh, and he seems to be the consensus cornerback one among the league. There's not a huge gap, but I have heard more people go, eh, about Christian Gonzalez that work for the league than I've heard that about Devin Witherspoon. I have no idea what you do with this next pick. Not a clue. You could go in about 42 different directions with so, the Las Vegas Raiders picking. The next seven. two picks actually are extremely tough for me because I feel like you could make four or five different players in that spot and they would all make sense. So let's see what you did here. Ah, so you did the little flip-flop. This makes some sense. You went Christian Gonzalez here at seven, and I think there's a a pretty good likelihood that these two corners go six and seven in some order, right? And I think... Uh, 
that's a good play. I think they're a tier of their own, right, Chris? Like, I, I mean, Agreed. there are other really yes. good corners in this class, but I feel like this is the tier one. The immediate pushback would be, what about C.J. Stroud? And I, I strongly considered him here. The Jimmy Garoppolo contract is not that prohibitive. It's very easily tradable after one year. It's, and yeah, quite you, frankly, it's you can cut it after one year if you, you need it to. Really, you have to pay him for two seasons, right? So it's basically yeah. a three-year contract, but you really have to pay him for two seasons. So I think yeah, that and, puts or them Or trade him after one. Sure, yeah. but that makes me think that they're in more line to do this kind of quarterback move in next year's class, which is better than to do it this year's class. Yeah, and so he falls into their lap here. I, I just don't I, – I don't feel they're going to take it. And look – there's been a lot of hubbubaloo uh, over me? the S2 Hoopla. Test. Hoopla would be the word I would use. Hoopla. There's been hoopla. There's been hubbubaloo. There's been conversation. There's been scuttlebutt. Whatever you want to say about the S2 testing or other stuff. There are a number of small red flags that the NFL is aware of regarding C.J. Stroud. I want to emphasize small because you could argue nitpicky. A little bit. Um, there's nothing like the Jalen Carter red flags. There are no coachability concerns. There are no legal issues. So uh, these are nitpicky, but it doesn't matter what I think. It matters what the league thinks. And there are enough of those that I do wonder if he slides here a little bit. And for teams that are just not, and I'm going to spoil it for you, I, I don't take C.J. Stroud at at. Eight, uh, at eight either to the Falcons, even though he was in consideration. I don't think the teams that are 50-50 on quarterbacks right now are going to feel overly compelled to say take C.J. Stroud when there are other key players still on the board. So I will tell you, we are through seven picks now, and I think the three biggest storylines that we need to watch out for in this predictive mock that you've put together, where does the C.J. Stroud fall stop? Where does Jalen Carter end up? And does yep. Bijan go in the top 15? Those are the big three things that right now, if I was if I was being an analyst on TV and this is the way it played out in real time, these would be the things that I would be talking yes. about while the Atlanta Falcons are on the clock, those three things in particular. The other point I want to make before we move to Atlanta is I do think Christian Gonzalez is a really good fit with the Raiders. I think he's a, a perfect corner for Patrick Graham, who this is the defensive coordinator to mold. He would fit well in that system. So uh, I've talked about a lot who they didn't pick, but I think Christian Gonzalez would be a really – I think the Christian Gonzalez, Raiders, Devin Witherspoon, Lions, in terms of a schematic fit standpoint, are both very strong when they go back to back there, uh, at least is in my predictive mock. Did you do the thing at number eight? Did you do it? You tell me. Did I do it? You did not do it, but you did answer one of the three burning questions that I had because you selected Jalen Carter, interior defensive lineman of Georgia at number eight. So we can check that uh, off the box here. This is where you have decided that the Jalen Carter fall, quote unquote, will stop at number eight with the Atlanta Falcons. And this is a team that's sitting here at number eight could go in a various different directions. They could take yes. one. They could take a tackle if they wanted to. Uh, they could take an edge player if they wanted to. They obviously took an interior player. They could take a Bijan and it would make a ton of sense. There are a they lot could take of a quarterback. They could take a quarterback. There are a lot of different positions that make sense to them yeah and Jalen Carter was the hardest person to kind of peg where he's going to land because if you think about it like you could put him at five you could put him at six you could put him at seven you could put him at eight you could put him at nine you could put him at ten all all of those picks you could make a fundamentally reasonable argument to put Jalen Carter um, I end up going with the Falcons here partly because I don't because they have all these wealth of options and I'm not sure exactly what they want to do i I think there's been so much talk about Jalen Carter going fifth because Will Anderson's going here and 
guys might not trade up and we might have because there's been a lot of discussion about Anderson and Tyree going two and three. Mm-hmm. Well, if they trade that pick, all of a sudden it doesn't happen. So somebody falls, which means that somebody that might have picked Jalen Carter doesn't pick Jalen Carter. And now all of a sudden the teams are like, oh, I don't think he would fall to me. He falls to you. Uh, I, I think the Falcons, obviously, they could they could been they've been done their deal. Excuse me. They've done their due diligence on Jalen Carter. They brought him in. They're obviously very close to the Georgia program. They'll be able to make those those calls and connections and, and see are they comfortable with the player that they want to draft. And again, it's not just uh, the racing incident. There are other football-related concerns that have come up with Jalen Carter throughout this pre-draft process that have just added to it all. But this is somebody that you were legitimately talking about a few months ago as the best player in this class. It was him and Will Anderson. We were legitimately talking about will the Bears take him number one overall. So there's the reality of the situation, whether it's fair, unfair, or whatever, talent tends to win out. And I actually end up – I agree with Drew Rosenhaus that Carter's not getting out of the top 10. Uh, I think he would be a really strong fit in Atlanta. I know they've, they've put some money into their defensive line this offseason, but good players don't stop you from taking great players. And when a player like Jalen Carter falls into your lap like he does for Atlanta, I think they're going to be really poised to make this move. Uh, the thing that I'm doing while you are talking about your uh, current pick is I'm thinking about what I want to say to set up the next pick in terms of a question. And yep. when t- listening to you talk about Jalen Carter, I thought to myself, if this was the way the analysis was going on draft night, I would be thinking to myself, in the Bears' war room, are they debating between Paris Johnson Jr. and B. John Robinson? Because those would be the two players that I would be debating between if I was in that spot. So now we get to see if that's exactly the thought process that Jamie went through when he did this. No, you just had to do it. You had to go ahead and throw another curveball into the plans. And you, you, I got to tell you, this is one thing you will not, you will not drop this. You, for whatever reason, will not drop the idea of Darnell Wright being OT1. You have him being the selection at number nine to the Chicago Bears, a top 10 pick. So you're not dropping this. Darnell Wright, OT1 for Jamie J. Eisner. He's OT1 in my predictive draft. I think he'd be OT1 because I think he goes to the Bears if Jalen Carter's off the board. So... Uh, they love him. I've talked to several people on this. They love Darnell Wright. And if Jalen Carter, who I think they also would love and to take, is not on the board at this pick, I do think they pulled the trigger on Darnell Wright as OT1. I do think they think he can plug and play right away on their offensive line, at, at, at really at several different spots. Uh, he is not my OT1 in terms of my rankings, uh, but... I believe if Jalen Carter's off the board, which he is here, and Darnell Wright is, this will be the pick for Chicago. I really believe that. So we get to Philadelphia at 10, and this is not a great scenario for them. The top two corners off the board. Jalen Carter, Tyree Wilson off the board. If they wanted to go edge, Miles Murphy makes some sense. This does feel to me like a scenario where B. John Robinson could enter the conversation. I'm going to scroll down the page to see what Jamie did. And you went with a tackle. You went with Paris Johnson Jr. So you have really – this is interesting. This is a unique pick here because I don't know if we've discussed a lot the idea of the Eagles going tackle here at number 10. So please explain yourself. Yeah, I, look, they, they lost a starter and their key swing tackle this offseason. I think there's – obviously, they've, they've spent some money on the offensive line, but they've always wanted to invest in the trenches more. Uh, I think there's an open spot where you might actually end up pay, playing Paris Johnson Jr. at right guard for the first year, maybe two of his career before you end up him being the long-term replacement for Lane Johnson at right tackle. I- I'm believing more and more that they're going to go offensive line here with this pick. And, you know, they're seeing the betting odds seem to think Skaronsky is going to be the pick here. 
it wouldn't be a bad pick by any means, but uh, they've done a lot of work on, on some of these guys. I think Paris Johnson is a better physical fit for what the Eagles want to do. He can play guard in year one if you need him to right now. He can play right guard until he can eventually move to one of the tackle spots for you. I, I think the Eagles are going to continue to invest long term in the trenches here, and particularly because a guy like Jalen Carter or a, a Gonzalez or Witherspoon don't drop. Uh, I don't think they're going to panic, but I also don't think they have the sexy pick here that they might really love. So they're going to go with the the meat and potatoes type of pick, which is long term. We need to make sure our offensive line is as good as it could ever be because we just signed our quarterback. Pick number 11. I think we're going to get the answer to one of our questions. I think this is where the C.J. Stroud drop falls. This is great for Tennessee. They don't have to trade up to take a quarterback. They're able to make the pick. They're able to get their guy in the building. And I can't wait to scroll down and be and make it seem like I'm an idiot. And that's exactly... I'm not an idiot. They took C.J. Stroud. Thank well, goodness. I thought for sure that this was you were going to bait and switch me here. But this makes so much sense with the way that this board has played out. It does. And and I think Mike Vrabel is one of those coaches where the league zigs and he zags. And he's like, and oh, Ohio think- State, let me go back to my roots and pick my guy. Well, and, and that's the thing, too, of like, and I think that stuff gets overblown. Like, people are like, oh, would you really think D'Amico Ryan's win take Will Anderson Jr. because he went to, like, uh, no. But what this does do is it gives you a direct access line to get every piece of information you ever needed to know about a player. And I guarantee you that. The Tennessee Titans, if they are interested in C.J. Stroud, which I have every reason to believe based on what I heard that they are, they have an easy pipeline back to Ohio State to get every little ounce of information about him. And I think they will get that and they will feel comfortable making this pick, particularly if they don't have to sell the farm now to move into the top four to do it. Um, you know, maybe this is a, a mini trade up. You know, maybe this is a move up three or four spots with one of the other teams. Well, you're hedged a, here, right? Because it doesn't really matter if he gets picked at 11. As long if Tennessee's the team Correct. that picks him, you get the two points, right? So you don't, Correct. the trade doesn't Correct. give you anything bonus wise. But I also didn't find an easy trade spot because, you know, maybe it's Atlanta, but then you're going to, you, if, if it's Atlanta, you're missing out. I guarantee you, you don't get Carter at 11. If it's the Raiders, then I guarantee you're not getting Gonzalez at 11. So all these other teams would miss out on, I think, key players for their team. So right. it might not be so easy to trade out if there's not a move up to three. So uh, I think this is this is a little bit of a hedge, but I think this is a good landing spot. And I think if there's somebody to kind of say, screw what everybody else thinks, I'm going to do what I want to do, I think Mike Vrabel is near the top of that list. Four quarterbacks in the top 11, which is exactly how I feel about it too, Jamie. I, I mean, that I'll give away right here. All four quarterbacks will be selected in the top 11 for me um, in, in my predictive mock draft. The order might be a little different uh, than the way you have it uh, shaken out right now. At number 12, Houston, I mean, I, I'm going to go chalk here, and I'm going to say you did the thing that everybody's been doing. The best wide receiver in the class is available at the board at number 12. And so they decided to take Jackson Smith and Jigbit number 12. And I scroll down, and you completely just gave me a curveball. And you said Nolan Smith, edge from Georgia. Now, again, yeah. this all goes back to the fact that they traded out of number two, yes. and they didn't get an edge. So you said, ah, I got to get an edge here. Don't need the wide receiver. Maybe I can get a wide receiver 24. So I like what you did here now that I thought it out. And that that's, that's the, the butterfly effect of doing this. Um, trading out, obviously, wide receiver would make sense there if they stuck and picked. You know, Because when I did this originally, when I had them not trading out, I had them taking Tyree Wilson at two and then Jackson Smith and Jigba at 12. Well, now edge is still a need for you when you trade back, which, by the way, it makes it a little bit more palatable to trade back to the where the Vikings are picking since you already have a, a top 12 pick in the bag already. Uh, Nolan Smith is the top of that next tier for me. I think teams are really enthralled by what his high upside ability. He's dominant against the run. He is a great 
person and leader. And I think as you're starting to rebuild that defense, I think D'Amico Ryans needs more players that you can build around and be voices in that room down the road. And I think they're going to identify Nolan Smith as that kind of a player. So I really like this fit here. Um, this is also an interesting spot where if potentially like if, if Tennessee and Arizona did make a trade, I think Nolan Smith to Arizona would make some sense as well uh, in that spot. But uh, I think this would be a really good start for Houston and still allow them to get, again, he's not Tyree Wilson or Will Anderson. I'm not saying he is, but he's a damn good player that you could still get at 12 and fill a need and a damn good person as you're trying to change the culture both in the locker room and on the football field for the Houston Texans going forward. I'm ready to be very, very upset at what you did at 13 because you probably did the thing, and you didn't do this on purpose because you probably believe this predictively, but you probably did the thing that I would hate the most for the New York Jets. I'll scroll down Ooh. to see. Wait, 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 wait. Before you do that, I already what scrolled. would you hate the most? Peter okay, Skaronsky is what I would have hated the okay, most. Okay, I did not do that. You did not do that. I like Broderick Jones. And I'm okay with that. I, I think you need a – this. I guarantee this guy can play left tackle. Yep. I think that's, that's what, what they need out of this spot. Yep. Right? 100%. With Mekhi Becton, I'm assuming, moving back to right tackle. Correct. If he – whatever he ends up playing there. I need a can, – I can plug and play at left tackle and have no concerns. And I like Peter Skronsky. I'm not trying to talk him down. But I have no fear that Broderick Jones can be left tackle. And in my opinion, Broderick Jones is the best offensive lineman in this class. Yep. So I think if he gets there to the Jets, it's a perfect fit, fills a need, plays at the exact position you need him to play for you right away – championship pedigree and again in my opinion best offensive lineman in general in the class they're they're clumped at the top but i think he's the best one i think this would make a ton of sense for the jets and for aaron Rodgers when he gets there sometime between now and friday if he gets there um we will see uh yeah listen i i think the jets don't want to go into next season with dwayne brown being their left tackle and some combination of makai beckton and max mitchell being their right tackle now i will tell you they restructured dwayne's contract and so it makes me think that he's going to be the de facto starter at left tackle next season so that would be the only thing that would sway me away from an offensive tackle pick in general but i can't disagree with anything that you said there jamie they need a long-term answer at the position broderick jones plays that position it's a very easy transition if if you want to give Dwayne a year and if he gets hurt or he doesn't play well, you can transition or now you enter 2024 with your starting left tackle. I agree with all of that. I just I'm I'm cautious about the direction that they're going to go in. But again, that Peter Skaronsky does not make sense because I don't know where he fits um, because he would have to kick inside and they've got two guys that are going to play inside on a pretty regular basis. Yep. So, OK, we go to 14 and this scares me a little bit because. The New England Patriots could take B. John Robinson, and I'm not going to like this if this is what the pick is. So I'm going to scroll here and see how angry I'm going to be. And you did exactly the thing that makes me angry. You took B. John Robinson yeah. to the New England Patriots. This cannot happen. I, I will tell you, uh, I am. I will not allow this under any circumstance. I, I, what, what, what are you going gonna to intervene? I'll tell you, my predictive mock won't have him getting to 14. I'll tell you that much. Uh, so this is, again, aside from Jalen Carter, B. John Robinson is one of the most difficult players to find a spot for. Here, here's my logic here. And is this an immediate need for the Patriots? No. Is Does it kind of fit what they would like to do? Kind, kind of does. But maybe more importantly is if there's one thing we know about Bill Belichick is that he drafts off his own board. And one of the things that he does is if he will, he will not reach for a player that he feels is a reach. Now, but Jamie, they took Cole reach, Strange last year, Jamie. But he didn't feel that was a reach. So... I start to wonder how many first-round grades he legitimately has on this class at TDN. You've heard us talk about we have 16 of them. There's a good chance that Bijan Robinson may not only just be the highest-graded player on his board, he might be the only first-round grade left on his board by the time they come on the clock at number 14 if 
if they are a little bit more uh, stingy with their grades than what TDN and what a lot of people are. I could see him saying, you know what? This is my guy. We have him stacked on the board. He's the best player available. We're going to use him. We want to be run heavy. Let's do it. And so that's kind of that's kind of where I put it here. It's a little bit little galaxy brainy, but I, I could see him really throwing a curveball here and saying we're going to take Bijan Robinson and we're going to have Ramondre Stevenson as both pass catcher and and by the way, Bijan can do some really creative things as a pass catcher as well. Uh, I, I think this could be a really interesting fit uh, for this team. We go to 15, the Green Bay Packers, and this is a unique scenario that has played out here because you and I have talked a lot about the idea of who their tight end one is and that they could go with this position. There's a name at a different offensive skill position that's available that I think you probably pivoted to because Jackson Smith and Jigba's all of a sudden sitting on the board here at 15. And I feel like that's a better play over Dalton Kincaid. I'm now going to scroll. You're nodding your head, but you did that last time, and then Bijan was a Patriot, so I'm a little concerned here. You did it. Okay, so we, we are in agreement that this is the correct pivot with the way that this board played out, and I agree with yes. you 100%. If this is the way it falls on draft night, you go JSN over the tight end a million percent. Yeah, and I think that that's what the scenario is, is with Jason not going higher than this, which I'm starting to think he doesn't. Green Bay has a lot of interest. JSN fits a skill set the Packers don't currently have at wide receiver. You like what you can do with Christian Watson. You like things about Romeo Dobbs, but Jackson Smith and Jigba provides a skill set that Green Bay doesn't currently have. I know this is a team that hasn't drafted a first-round pass catcher in, what, since Javon Walker? Was that the last one that they took? So uh, there's, a, there's a part of me that's a little bit hesitant to, to pass on defense here. But the opportunity to bring in wide receiver one without having to move up at a an elite, a, agile athlete at a position of need for a new young quarterback that you're going to try to groom to be your next starter, I think this makes too much sense. And there's been plenty of smoke around this team player combination behind the scenes. Uh, we moved to Washington at 16, and this board has kind of played out none of the top corner options. None of the edge players, if they wanted to go that direction. No Jalen Carter falling here. So when we, we, we look at the board, we look at the way the best players available sit – Jamie, I think this is where you started the second run on corners. So we had the two guys go in the top 10. I think this is where you're going to start to see more corners come off the board. Because after this, you got Pittsburgh who might need a corner. I know Detroit just took one. But you got teams here where this might start to become yeah. a trend. So let's see what you did here with pick number 16. I, I had you. I had you right where I wanted. Not the name I anticipated, but I had you I had you figured out. You went Deontay Banks corner from Maryland here at 16. Uh, and, yeah. and, and Jamie, I think this What'd is— What did you expect, Porter? I thought you would go Porter. I, I, that's where I thought you would do. But I, I think Banks is a guy that's been talked up a ton as a first-round um, corner. I think everybody's in agreement after those first two guys. It's kind of beauties in the eye of the beholder. There's going to yes, be about six different fun. names on who the CB3 would be at that point. Um, so I think, and for some, they might be their CB1 um, at that point based on the way that this class has been viewed. So, again, the name doesn't really shock me that much. It's a little bit of a surprise. But, again, with this class, we've talked. After that tier break at the top, it's kind of you can move those names around in in any kind of order and a team would be like yeah i'd agree with that so not a surprise to see a corner go here at 16. yeah it, it, it fits a need and look deontay banks has been one of the most in-demand players in the pre-draft process i think he has met with literally everybody uh, i mean he has gotten rave reviews across the board i think he would be a great fit in washington and we'll talk to Joy Porter about Joy Porter Jr. a little bit later. You know, he does go in this. Oh, he first does make now, it. But, okay, spoiler alert. But there are legitimate concerns that NFL teams have talked about his game. Um, and I'll talk about that when we get to him. But uh, I, I'm not convinced he's going to be the CB3 uh, in this draft. Whether it's Washington taking a player, whether Pittsburgh taking I'm not convinced he's going to be the third cornerback off the board. 
We move to Pittsburgh, and I will tell you, this is a very tough team to figure out what you're going to do here because this board yeah. has kind of fell fallen in a way that I don't necessarily love. I think the vanilla pick, I think the default position for me here is this is where you found a spot for Peter Skaronsky, and he's just going to go to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, or? Or maybe you went right, with... Like, before you before you the pick, there, there, I think there are three options here. You could go it with another corner. Lineman. It's Yeah, it's offensive lineman, it's corner... Or it's a guy like a Mozzie Smith or a Brian Brissy, right? It's like an interior. I would agree with that. Guy. I would agree. And, with and that. I think those are your three buckets that you're kind of putting them in. See which which one. You can scroll down and see which one I ended up going with. Yeah, you did. You found the landing spot for Peter Skaronsky. This just yeah. makes too much sense, man. I just don't think they'd pass on him. I don't think they think he's going to be available there. And uh, if he does fall a little bit like this, I, I think there's no way they can pass on him because he's an instant starter on your offensive line anywhere. I don't care where he plays tackle guard. He's your starter. He's a starter for you. He's He's – Maybe the best offensive lineman or second best offensive lineman for, as a rookie right away on this roster. So I don't think they could pass on him here. Uh, they are still, again, thanks to the Chicago Bears, they get a very, very, very high pick in the second round they can also use on a corner. Um, it might not be one of their, it might not be their number three. Oh, there'll still be some good ones there when they pick. Don't worry. There'll be some good ones there. So I I just think this is, this is a value opportunity that they can't pass up if it falls in the lap at just overall skill level and a huge need for them. Okay, you know how much I love the idea of Bijan Robinson to the Detroit Lions. We've talked about it. You did not do that, and Bijan's not on the board. We know the news that happened at the end of the week last week in which Jamison Williams and a bunch of other Lions players suspended for gambling. They're not going to have Jamison Williams for six games. Now, you don't necessarily draft this way, but you want a galaxy brain idea that I'm thinking about here in real time that I would very seriously consider is putting Jameer Gibbs in this spot at 18. I don't think you did it. But I'm telling you, I'm going to strongly consider it for when I do my mock later in the week. And if I scroll down and I see Jameer Gibbs and that you beat me to this Galaxy Brain idea, and I'm going to tell everybody, Jamie and I have not talked about this. But if you beat me sure. to this, I'm going to be very upset because you're going to get the credit for this when I also have gotten here. So I'm going to scroll down and see what you did here. Okay? Yeah, don't worry, Chris. You'll get all the credit when you do it. Okay, Kalaja can't see the defensive lineman to pit. <laughs> yeah. So this is uh, – uh, I, I don't I don't, I don't hate this. I like this a lot. I, I, yeah, I, I see what you're saying, Chris, and I, and I think the Galaxy Bray makes some sense. I just don't think that's going to be how they draft that high. If they were picking 30th, maybe, I, I could see them doing that. Maybe if this is a trade-back spot for them, maybe that could happen. Listen, but maybe, maybe they happen. do. I just have to. I just could put a name there, and that's I don't true. have to make the trade, and I could be, be pretty true. smart. So we'll see. Uh, yeah, Kalaja can't see I think makes a ton of sense. They add to the interior defensive line crazy crazy athlete continue building up that defense oh side you did the brad holmes thing you did the brad holmes aaron donald pitt pitt yeah, elijah can you went there I'm didn't just you saying. okay I'm just saying okay it's instrumental in the aaron donald pick again i will i will preface this elijah can is not aaron donald but there are there are comparable things there what what chris I, what? well i'm, I'm, I'm leading so you I, scroll no i didn't i oh, so okay. in order to make sure that i don't scroll too far I have Tankathon open on the other screen. And so that's the way I'm figuring out who the next team up is. And I switched tabs, and that reaction was realizing I have to now try to figure out what you thought Tampa Bay was going to do when I don't know what Tampa Bay is going to do because they could pick any single position here, and it would make sense. So I'm just going to scroll. I'm not even going to give you a soliloquy. I'm not even going to go on a diatribe. I'm just going to scroll and see what you did. Sure, you went Miles Murphy. Fantastic. Two yeah. thumbs up. Move on. I, I, what do you want me to yeah. say here? Uh, maybe a great fit there. Uh, I think they need some more edge rush help. We'll see what happens with Shaq Barrett coming off the Achilles. Joe Tryon Sharanka needs to have a little bit more consistency on his own right. I think they consider corner here, but it's probably a little bit less of a need because they were able to bring back a guy. Um, I, I'm just – I think Miles Murphy is going to f- – shouldn't fall, and I think his talent level 
you know, this is kind of like the board gets weird for them. I don't think they expect him to be here. They've done some work on him, and I think he'd be a really strong fit in Tampa Bay's defense. Speaking of the board getting weird, uh, the Seattle Seahawks pick here at number 20. We got our edge rusher at pick number five with Will Anderson Jr. We don't have a quarterback available to us unless we're going to be the team that selects Hendon Hooker, but it doesn't feel like a very likely possibility. Anthony Richardson would be the quarterback that I would feel comfortable doing this with here at pick number 20. We know Seattle likes to build in the trenches, but we just did that at five. So do we flip to the other side of the ball? But then I wonder what kind of players that we have available. Jamie, you want to say something, so I'm going to stop my, my rant here so that you can say what you want to say. Because you're going down all this path, but what if Seattle's not the one picking at 20? Did you make a trade? I did. You made a trade. All right, let me scroll and see what you did here. Oh, boy, we can't let this happen under any circumstances. You had the Kansas City Chiefs view the landscape, and you said, you know what? I see the way this board's playing out. Our guy's available. Let's move up a bunch of spots and take Zay Flowers, wide receiver from Boston College. You've been loving this Zay Flowers to Kansas City connection. This has kind of been a thing for you. You decided to 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 just decide to say, hey, Kansas City ain't going to get him at 30, 31, 32, whatever the number ends up being. So we got to move up to get him. The board doesn't fall in a way that necessarily is advantageous to Seattle. So they would be willing to pick up the phone. See, I was going to get there. I was going to talk it out. I don't think I would have gotten yeah, to the exact fit. I was going to be a two-hour podcast. But I was going to get there. There. The board is not advantageous to them, so they're willing to pick up the phone and make these trades. Kansas City is willing to move up. I think this makes a ton of sense. Very nicely done, Jamie. Well, and, and this is where it comes in. If you're not taking a quarterback there, you've already got Will Anderson Jr. I don't think they need to force it there. I also don't see many AFC teams really excited to to trade and help Kansas City out by any means. Why not make the AFC NFC trade? And look, I'm annoyed that Zay Flowers went to go work out with Patrick Mahomes because I like this before that. So now everybody's yeah, that, like, oh, yeah. he worked out with Mahomes. Well, they asked him to, yeah. right? The Chiefs asked Mahomes to go yeah. work with Zay. That was kind of a thing. So I have heard the Chiefs, one, the Chiefs have, I believe, 10 picks in the draft. They have no intention of making 10 picks in the draft and that there's a heavy interest in moving up to get uh, a playmaker that they like and they can add to their team right away. I expect Zay Flowers to be the second receiver taken. I expect Zay Flowers to be the apple of their eye. And in this opportunity, you're trading ahead of the Chargers. You're trading ahead of the Ravens. You're trading ahead of the Giants. All teams that you will be worried about potentially taking a quarterback from you, or excuse me, a wide receiver from you. I think this is the perfect landing spot for them. And if you're Seattle, it's easier to trade back, get more picks, because you've already made a blue chip pick at number five. Versus Tampa Bay, where you go like, man, if I trade all the way back from 19, Maybe I don't get somebody that can start for me right away. Yeah. This is a lot easier for Seattle to make this move. I think you did. I think you did well here. We move on uh, to the Los Angeles Chargers at twenty-one. And by the way, you are correct, Kansas City with ten picks in this year's draft class. Uh, the Chargers at twenty-one. My guess is this: the is this is the offensive side of the ball. I'm going to say it's whoever their tight end one is, or it's Jameer Gibbs. And so I'm going to scroll to see what you did here. Ooh, it's I neither. I think it's one of those two. Thank Jamie. Thank you. Thank you for, for for making things right in the world. I've been trying to tell everybody that we we cannot allow ourselves to sleep on Jordan Addison, okay? I know he didn't have that great of a year in USC, okay? I know, I know the size are some concerns, but Jordan Addison is going to be a productive NFL player. I'm glad that you just that you also agreed with me that he is still a first-round caliber player and you got him in here at 21 to the Chargers. So I had the right side of the ball. I just completely ignored the wide receiver yeah. conversation, but I like this a lot. And oh, by the way, that gets us to three wide receivers in the first yes. round of your mock draft, the over-under is what? Four and a yeah. half? Three and a half. Uh, three and a half or four and a half, depending on the book. Okay. It's either four and a half juiced all the way across the world into the under or three and a half. Um, and look, Jordan Addison, I think would make a lot of sense for them. You, you say, oh, well, they got Keenan Allen. They've got, they've got uh, Mike Williams. 
one, they rarely have them both on the field at the same time. Uh, and two, they, they they need players that can do some l- little bit of different things. And Jordan Addison can be a little bit of, like, provide that separation to all three levels, can be a deep or ish threat for them, has a very strong connection with one of their wide receivers coaches, uh, which I think could, could give that team a little bit of intel about who he is as a player and as a person, which always helps this time of year. Uh, I think they would really consider, I mean, I think they would really have liked a guy like Miles Murphy. Uh, if he were to fall, get past Tampa Bay, I think they would consider a tight end here. I think they consider a Mozzie Smith here. Uh, but I, I think they're going to go like, look, we're in the AFC. We're in the AFC West. Our rival just traded in front of us to add more weapons to their team. We got to be able to keep up and we need to surround Herbert with as many players as possible. And we're going to lean to the offensive side of the ball for that. And then to me, it becomes between that and a tight end. And I just wonder if they feel like they can get a better tight end, not a better tight end. They can get a, a, yeah, I guess a better tight end in the second round than wide receiver in the second round. So they feel like they need to make this move now before teams start to make a run because you don't know what's going to happen behind you. You don't know what Baltimore is going to do, what the Giants are going to do, what the Bills are going to do. You know, all those teams can start taking wide receivers and all of a sudden you're sitting back in the middle of the second round and you're on wide receiver 10, wide receiver 11, and you're like, oh my goodness, like what's happening here? Now, I don't think that's going to happen, but you have, to, you have to guard against it, I think, if you're LA. We get to Baltimore here at 22, and I will tell you, this feels where the Baltimore Ravens sit around and go, oh, everybody else wants to talk bad about Brian Brzee. They want to say all these bad things about Brian Brzee. Well, you're going to let him be available for us at 22. We're going to do the thing that we always do and draft a really good player because everybody else overthought it, and that's what we're going to do at 22. So that's my guess. That's my hunch of what you're going to do here at 22. I'm going to scroll down and see. It's not. based um, on. But I, li- I like the logic. Thank you. Thank you. I like the logic. It's not what I end up doing here. Oh, you went corner. And you, player. Oh, boy. You're going to you're, you're going to cause you're going to cause agita for a couple of fan bases here. Joey Porter Jr. the pick at 22 Ravens. to the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, isn't that fun? Um I I think this is a case of Baltimore sitting back and going, "Look, we we we've heard the stuff about about Joey Porter Jr., the bad eyes, the relying too much on his athleticism versus technique. But freaking look at the kid. Just look at him. Look at the physicality he brings. He's got he checks every single box. We can get the most out of him. And everybody else is going to sit back and look back in five years and go, man, we knew what we should have taken this kid. And I feel like the Ravens are going to sit there and they're going to do just that. And they need to add some other pieces to that secondary. Uh, I th- he obviously, I mean, understands how the AFC North plays football. And I think there would be a lot of motivation uh, for him. And I think he would be a real, that's a good organization for him to go to from a def- defensive standpoint. I like this fit a lot. I, I could see Baltimore sitting back and going, you know what? This was a guy we used to talk was talked about going in the back end of the top ten that falls all the way us to us here outside the top twenty because of those concerns. We're not worried about it. Uh, we get to what is now Houston's second pick at twenty three because of the yes, trade that they made with Will Levis, and you took uh, they took Nolan Smith earlier, correct? Just so that I'm that I'm accurate. So yeah, we, Nolan we, Smith is who they take at twelve. So we get here to twenty three, and my guess, Jamie, is when we talked about twelve, we said, oh, this would be Jackson Smith and Jigba because it would make some sense. But now they didn't get an edge at two, so they need to take an edge here. So now I think they're still going to go edge wide receiver in that order with their first two picks. It's just going to be a little bit later, and my guess would be here's our fourth wide receiver. Here's where Quentin Johnson falls off the board. So I'm going to go over here to the other side of the screen. I'm going to scroll. And I'm going to see if you agreed with the same logic that I had that we're going to go edge wide receiver and we're just going to do it in a different order now because we're going to pick at 12 uh, and 23 instead of two and 20 and two and 12. And let me see what you did. You did. You, you, very good. So, very so good. before I talk about this pick, let, let now let's talk about the philosophical conversation of what just happened, Chris. So if you stuck in, I guess you can't say stuck in picked. 
Sounds you stayed weird, and picked. Stuck, stayed and picked. Stuck and plucked. Tyree Wilson at two. What? No, they, you stayed and yeah, picked. Stuck okay. And off the board because you pluck. Uh, okay. Take, okay. But j- 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 just here with me. Just, just, just come with me on this journey. Okay. I'm not really I'm sure leading, I want I'm to. Looking but rainbow. We'll go. Okay. If they stayed where they were, and they went Tyree Wilson and JSN. Mm-hmm. Or would you rather have Nolan Smith, Quentin Johnston, three future first round picks? Yeah, I would rather the second option. They, they need a lot of help, right? So they and, got. And this is where you go. They got a drop off at the edge, but not. I don't think a, a dramatic drop off at edge. And did they get a dramatic drop off at wide receiver? I don't think so. So they got. They took a step back and probably went down a tier at both of those positions. But now put themselves in a position where they more than likely have three first-round picks in 2024. They went that back from two to 23, so they probably have at least two first-round picks in 2025. So they've yep. got five first-round picks over the next two years. They've got the edge. They've got the wide receiver. They're set up to move up for a quarterback. And oh, by the way, they're probably not going to be very good, so they're going to be picking high again next year. They're going to be able to set up the culture the way that they want. This is a home run. This is why they shouldn't take a quarterback at number two, folks, Correct. ladies and gentlemen. And I think... When people go like, oh, my God, there's no way they could trade all the way back to Minnesota. This is why this thought exercise is important because this is the scenario now. Let's put some names to this situation. And all of a sudden you're thinking is the difference between Will Anderson and JSN to Nolan Smith and Quentin Johnston, is that greater than three potential future first-round picks or two additional first-round picks and two additional second-round? Like, no. You are getting – you're getting a lot of what you would get otherwise. They're different players, obviously, and they do different things well. But just in terms of value, the Texans are in a good spot to do this and to fill holes and get themselves a boatload of capital. And quite frankly, we did the, Chris, we did the NFC North show. If the books are right, Vikings are going to have a decent pick next year. Mm-hmm. And the Texans will probably have a decent pick next year, no matter what they do in this draft. So, like... I think this is the best pass for the best path forward for Houston by far. And uh, Quentin Johnson would be a really good fit there. Nico Collins, I like as a bigger guy. I like John Mechie, but he's missed the entire year due to cancer. We don't really know what we're going to get from him yet. Uh, Robert Woods is is fine, but he's old. Uh, Quentin Johnston, I think, is somebody worth taking a chance on. You're going to have you're going to get him acclimated into the offense. You're going to build him up as a big true X receiver. And somebody that can be a little asset to Drake May, Caleb Williams, Michael Penix, Bo Nix, whomever is on the center for you in 2024 and beyond. We're Jacksonville 24, and I think this is where our first tight end comes off the board. So I'm going to waste a little time, and I'm going to scroll and see what you did. And that's exactly what you did. You took Michael Mayer at 24. This makes too much sense with the way the board has played out. It does. I, I, I It's funny because I don't really feel good about it. Wow. You know, because the Jags have done a lot of work, a lot of work on edge rushers, like a lot. Yeah, like who are they taking here? Amount. Brzee? Van Ness, maybe? Brzee, Van Ness? Like, so I, I think Van Ness is a possibility here. Uh, I think Cam Smith, Brian Branch are all they possibilities take, they here. They could take if they want to play him on a more of an edge spot. That but feels a little rich. I just have a hard time seeing Doug Pe- Because, look, even if they bring back Evan Ingram, Evan Ingram played a lot of snaps in the slot, like a true slot last year. It was a big slot like Giuseppe did in, in Miami. Where Michael Mayer is that more traditional tight end that you line him up on the line of scrimmage, can do a little bit of everything well, is can just really be a key safety blanket for Trevor Lawrence. And who better to know the value of tight ends and to get the most out of a tight end than Doug Peterson? So I really like that. I like the fit. I just don't feel great about necessarily like 
it, it almost feels too easy. Like, have you ever had that where like it feels too easy, so you don't want to do it? And that's mm-hmm. kind of what I feel like here. Oh, we get to the Giants. Tw- we we get to the Giants at twenty five, and I got to tell you, Jimmy, if I was a Giants fan, this would be my draft doomsday scenario because this board has not played out in a way that I necessarily love. Uh, not a lot of wide receiver options. Uh, the Giants do pick here. I'm, I'm not stopping okay. for trade, but like, who would be a top of your board if you're the Giants right now? I know they're the other New York team to you, but you follow them a lot just because you you I do. You, it's, you can't follow one New York team without the other right. because the coverage is so intermixed, and there's a lot of people that do both. Like who 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 have we have not talked? Who have we not drafted yet that you go? Because you said it's a doomsday scenario. So, one, who did you want? And two, who do you think that they might target? Well, I would have loved to have picked one, taken one of the four wide receivers that were receivers. that were selected, right? I would like yeah. one of those guys, and I don't want to really force a Cedric Tillman or a Jalen Hyatt or a Josh Downs in this spot. No, I wouldn't really I love that. I think Hyatt in round two is uh, keep an eye for the Giants at Hyatt in round two. We could probably use some pass rush help, but like, does Lucas Van Ness really strike me as a guy that's going to fit what they want to do? He might. He might. Do they go corner? Cam Smith was a name that you invoked earlier. Those are a couple of the names. Brzee, like these are the names that I'm thinking of at this point. So we'll see what you did. I don't love it. I don't love what the scenario that they find themselves in. Oh, boy. Holy Toledo. You got a safety in there. You snuck. You said, let me sneak out of the way here, everybody. Let me get Brian Branch corner slash safety and get him right in there. Safety slash nickel. And let's talk about how that could be a real nice fit in that defense. I don't hate this, by the way. I didn't think of this angle. Julian Love. You know, you lost Julian Love. And by the way, they they like drafting Alabama players. Get get reunited with Xavier McKinney. Um, I think this would be a solid fit for them. I know it's not the traditional outside corner they were looking for, but I think Brian Branch can come right in, fill a safety nickel hybrid role, play significant snaps for the Giants right away. I think it makes – and again, it's just a high-talent player as well. Uh, I think this makes a ton of sense. So, like, yes, Chris, they they might not get their – this might not be – the best case scenario, but I do think Brian Branch would be a really solid fit for them and somebody that can fill a hole and play multiple spots for their defense right away. I hope you ran in the card for the next pick. I hope this was the easiest pick that you made because there's a guy that really stands out to me that I think would fit Dallas, would fit what they would need, and Dan Quinn is probably gushing about this guy in the room on draft night. Did you go defense? I went defense. Did you go Mozzie Smith, because that's what I would have done in this spot. I didn't. I strongly considered it. Okay, I'm going to— I'd have, I'd have no qualms if this I, is the pick. I'm telling no you— I'm no qualms if Smith is I'm, the pick. I'm telling you right now, this is one of the things I'm doing. Mozzie Smith is going to be the selection here. What did you do? You went Emmanuel Forbes. That's fine. Mozzie Smith is going to be the pick for me at, at 26, but you could talk about Emmanuel Forbes. Yeah, uh, Emmanuel Forbes, I think, has got a lot, a lot of lovers around the league. Uh, in terms of his loves his game. I know he's rail thin has been the description for him, but he plays way bigger than his size. He's met several times with the Cowboys. I've had a source uh, close to the situation that has told me that the Cowboys love Emmanuel Forbes. So uh, I think Mousy Smith would be a great pick here for them as well. Um, and honestly, he was my backup. If I did not take Emmanuel Forbes, if you said like, okay, you can't take Forbes. Now you pick everybody, anybody else on the board who goes here. Mousy Smith would have been my pick, but uh, Stefan Gilmore, yes, they added him, but he really is only, he's going to turn, I believe he's going to turn 33 in January, and he's only got one year left on his deal. Does not stop you from adding future pieces. Uh, I think Emmanuel Forbes will not get past the Dallas Cowboys. Okay. Buffalo's on the clock here at 27. Here's what I think, yeah. here's what I think went through your mind. Well, here's what, you want to know what everybody does here? Okay. Because I didn't do it. It's Proto-Sirens Torrance. Okay. Were you going to let me go through my thought process, or are you just going to completely just, yeah, that's fair. just jump in here? Okay, you're the one that made the picks. I'm the one that's you know discussing hey, how, no, what I think. No, Here's point. what I think you thought about. 
I think you thought about doing the linebacker thing with a Jack Campbell or Drew Sanders. I think you mm-hmm. thought about doing an interior offensive lineman, whether it's John Michael Schmitz or Joe Tipman. I think you also gave strong consideration to, I know they don't do this, but they need this position. Jameer Gibbs is on the board. This might be a good landing spot for Jameer Gibbs. I think those are the guys that you considered in this spot. If you made me pick one, I would think you went with one of the interior guys. That's what I think you did. So I'm going to go back to the screen here. I'm going to scroll down and see if that's what you did. None of the above. If you went none of the above, I have no idea what you did. I really don't. I have no idea what Wait, you did. None of the above. Holy smokes. All right, let me scroll and see what you did. Oh, okay. All right. I, I Listen, I can't fault you here. The guy that I was going to take at 26 on the board at 27, see so you ran in the card for Mozzie Smith. Okay, I see what you did here. If you've taken a look, I, the almost the entirety of Buffalo's defensive line is out of their contracts by the end of this coming season. Like, they're all, they're all almost done. Uh, I think Mozzie Smith would be a real strong addition. He fits all the measurables that the, the Bills like. He would be a strong addition right away to help their run defense. And long-term, they need guys in the interior defensive line that are under contract and that are not prohibitively expensive. And that's what Mozzie Smith can be. Uh, I did strongly consider an interior offensive lineman, but I didn't find a fit that I loved. I don't think they like Osiris Torrance. Like, I know that's the fit everybody loves, but, like, his athletic thresholds don't meet their recent draft picks. Uh, we, I have heard that there is at least one person inside the organization that is not a fan over Sirens Torrance that might have some pull when it comes to this. Uh, and I didn't really like – I mean, Schmitz would be a great fit there. Tipman would be a good fit there. But I'm, I'm not sure any of those guys go in that spot. I, The top four receivers are off the board, so we can't – like I think Jordan Addison would be an awesome fit here, but he's gone. So this one is tough for me, and I, and I think Mozzie Smith is somebody that is worthy of going in the back part of the first round and is somebody that can help Buffalo both short-term and long-term and is a slight hedge against Dallas. Okay, Cincinnati at 28. We've got the Joe Mixon situation. We do. We've got the fact that just— And they're the favorites, according to the sports book right now, to draft Jameer Gibbs. Well, okay, that would be the name that I would invoke here because he's the, the running back on the board. Uh, there is the fact that we no longer have Jesse Bates and Dax Hill's going to be more of a safety. So maybe we need a corner. Maybe we take a Cam Smith. Maybe we take a Julius Brents. Maybe that's one of the guys that comes off the board here at 28. Maybe we take one of the interior guys to help protect Joe Burrow a little bit more. Maybe that's what we do in this spot. Again, it's the same thing I said about Buffalo. Tight end. All, all, uh, we could take a tight end. Those All those things are going to matter. So I, I'm not going to... I'm not going to predict what you did here because I think there's a bunch of different ways that you could go that are that I'm going to agree with. So let me scroll down and see what you did. Oh, now you, you're a guy after my heart. You snuck Julius Brentson in the first round. I love this pick. Yeah, this makes sense. Nah, we don't. We need we need help in the corner room. We and I say we. I'm speaking for Bengals fans right now. Yeah, da- Bengals. Dax fans. Hill's going to move to be more of a safety. Right. There was the idea of him playing both spots, but we lost Jesse Bates, so we're going to play Dax more in that spot. Uh, Cam Taylor built. Uh, Cam Taylor Britt played good in his rookie season, but him and Chidobe Awuzie, I'd like to get a little bit better in that room. And I think Julius Brents brings that physicality. I think he brings the length. I think he brings decent enough speed to be able to give you a real top tier option at that position. So Jamie, I love this. Again, you couldn't. You could go a couple different ways here, but I can't hate this pick. I don't know if I have anything more to say. I think you, you did the presentation Sorry. for me. Sorry, I, I, I love Julius Brents. Yeah. No, I, I love him. I think he's going to go in the back half, the uh, back part of the first round. I think he'd be a great fit in Cincinnati. I love his game. I love his length. I love the success that he can have playing on the outside. And I think this is going to fill a need for Cincinnati again in a conference where you're going to need to stop other top teams like a Buffalo, like Kansas City, from scoring. Uh, I think this would be a great fit for them. The New Orleans Saints. So would, by the way, so would Emmanuel Forbes if he fell. Uh, I, I think I'm thinking more and more. This is going to be a corner. 
Uh, yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think I tend to agree. Um, all right, the New Orleans Saints at 29, a pick that they you know didn't originally have, so they're not picking in the first round. Sean Payton pick. Um, and wh- where could they go with this spot? Well, uh, Alvin Kamara is going to miss some level of time, we assume. Uh, running back could make yeah, some sense. Um, they could add another wide receiver, but again, I don't think a fifth wide receiver makes sense here in this spot. Uh, could they take uh, some help uh, for their offensive line? They could. Um, could they take a corner? They could. Brian Brzee, this is another spot that I think, I like. there are a lot of names that I think could make sense here. So uh, we'll scroll here and see what you did. Oh, okay, you went edge, but you didn't go with the guy that I thought you were going to go with. You snuck Keon White here into the first round. I, I You know what? It, oh, and you, I, you, you, you were a coward. You just looked at the lead. No, you're a coward. Because I'm reading the first sentence here. Stop. A coward. You because said, it matters. No, you're it like, matters. Keon White was one of the 17 players invited to the draft. So this was is what this is what happened. You got to pick 29, and you're like, darn. Keon White got invited. I got to get him here. So boom, we'll just shoehorn him in here in the back half of the draft. Coward. Well, I got to figure out a spot for him, Chris, because here's, here's the thing. Yes, players do get invited to the green room and don't get drafted. It happens. But the league freaking hates it. So they are very careful with who they invite. And they only invited 17 players. That means they are damn confident that Keon White's probably going to go in the first round. So I would be a fool, a buffoon, a moron to not try to find a spot for Keon White based on that. And I do think the Saints go edge here. And I do think Keon White is actually going to be in strong consideration for them they're gonna have to keep taking swings of this defensive end spot until they find somebody that they like kind of, but yes i did kind of have to shoehorn him in here but I, I don't think i don't think the fit's incorrect like i absolutely think that keon white is on the saints's radar and it's probably the best fit for keon white on this list but yeah it's probably not somebody that if he wasn't invited was probably not somebody i would have put here i would have probably put high in the second round i'll tell you you could have put him at number 30 and it would have also made some sense Based on the fact that the Eagles needed an edge, you could have, but you didn't because you I took him at twenty nine, so he's not available. So I thought about it though. Yeah, I, and, I and, and I'm certainly going to consider it when I do mine. Um, okay, Speaking so we, of, if there is an interior offensive lineman that's going to come off the board, and it doesn't go to Dallas and it doesn't go to New York, New Orleans is a sneaky spot for the Torrance, Avila, John Michael Schmitz. That's a sneaky spot for those, for those guys. The Philadelphia Eagles at number thirty. Now, in order to make this make sense, we have to go back to what we did at number 10. We took Paris Johnson at number 10. We did not go corner. We did not go edge. I look at this, and I think to myself, if we want to get help along the defensive line, we could discuss Brian Brzee here. But I think what you thought was, boy, I'm going to take Cam Smith here at number 30. That's what I think you thought. So I'm going to scroll down and see if my hunch was correct. Oh, you went Lucas Van Ness. You snuck Lucas Van Ness in there as well. I think Lucas Van Ness might fall because of his rawness, and I think he fits everything Howie Roseman likes at that spot. Uh, can and I tell I you? I forgot about Lucas Van Ness. I, in in yeah. all of that talk, I just forgot about him. Yeah, uh, but I do think he has the potential to fall a little bit, just the way the board ends up operating and his rawness and, so, and some of the other key positions that could go. Uh, I, people are talking about Lucas Van Ness at 10 right now, um, which I think is a little, a little to do about too much, but... Uh, I think he'd be a perfect fit for the Eagles here. And honestly, given the massive run of corners, maybe they don't feel like they want to go take that next tier, whether it's Cam Smith, whether it's Keely Ringo, whether uh, who else is in that next tier? Um, Tyreek Stevenson. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, that union in that next group, I think Lucas Van Ness fits everything they would like. Uh, And he would be probably a rotational guy early on as they build him up. But they, they have a chance to kind of take somebody that I think they would consider. Like if the Eagles were also picking around 20, I think they would absolutely consider a guy like Lucas Van Ness, and he might just fall in their lap here at 30. One pick left. I know what you it's did. Seahawks. I know what you did. 
What, what did I do? Chris? You put Hendon Hooker here because you think that I five did. quarter. Really? I, I, I wanted to so. It badly. makes so much sense with the way the board fell. That's why I'm I'm kind of shocked that you didn't do it. But I didn't because okay. I feel like there's another player that is a monster good fit that deserves to be a first round pick. That would be great in Seattle. Finally, I the one time I've been talking about it for we've been doing the show for almost an hour for the last 30 minutes. I've been saying, can we find a spot for Brian Brzee? Can we find a place to put the guy? I finally forget about him, and boom, you stick him in here at 31. The Seattle Seahawks, pick yeah, we get Will Anderson stick him next and we to Draymond get, Jones, and, and we get Will Anderson, Anderson and Brian Brzee. That's a win. That's a great draft. It's a huge Prosper. win for Seattle. That's a fantastic I, win. I, I really wanted to find a spot for Hendon Hooker in the first round, and I think there could be one if Minnesota isn't the mystery team. That the trades up or if they don't trade up at all that he could go there to minnesota at 24 uh but to me like in this scenario here like brian Brissy is such a great fit for seattle and i would love 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 him to land there add another key piece to that defense that young ascending defense that they have in seattle Brissy's had to overcome unimaginable adversity to get to this point and it really and quite frankly between that and his injury we didn't get to see a lot of him last year but this is still a guy that was a former number one overall recruit in the country, is an absolute dominant talent, and would be a monster in the interior of the defensive line for the Seahawks. Uh, I think this would be a home run. If they if they walk out of this draft with Will Anderson Jr. and Brian Brzee, if that's what they walk out of Thursday night with, look out. Uh, Jamie, uh, I think a fantastic job. I don't think you should hate this as much as you do. I really don't. I think there's a lot of good pieces here. Again, I don't agree with all of it. Uh, I think mine will look a little different than yours, and I think I kind of gave away some of where I'm leaning towards this. But I will tell you that the thing that I appreciate the most about us doing this, and by the way, for those of you who have been wanting longer editions of the show, this one's clocking in at over an hour today. So there you go. Here's some draft week content for you. Uh, I think the thing about this, Jamie, is it's fun for me to walk through what you were thinking because it allows me to kind of narrow my thoughts a little bit more as we do this. Because as we get to picks, I'm like, all right, what would I do? And then I see what you did, and I'm like, okay, I didn't think about that. And then I butter- and then I butterfly effect it out, and I go, okay, I didn't think about this. Let me throw this in there. So I'm very excited to finally put mine together. And that's what makes it both fun and terrible. Because let's change. Let's just change one thing, Chris. It, yeah, it, the let's whole have thing. Will Anderson go at three. It, the whole thing's messed up. The whole thing. Is Jalen Carter back in play at five? Is Tyree Wilson back in play at eight? Does that leave, you know, I mean, like, it just it one minor change just completely and by the way i had this all done and then the, the will levis the two and the rumors about the trade-up and the things i heard made me rechange all of this i had something else that i was finally comfortable with and then got some calls and i went ah great i guess what i'm gonna be doing all weekend so uh but it's fun it's fun it's challenging and i, I will say this as, as we as we get into what 72 hours away from the draft mm-hmm. I don't think I've had I've been this uncertain and this anticipatory of a first round in some time. There's always a level of anticipation. There's always a level of uncertainty, but I really feel like this could be a very wild and chaotic night. First night of the draft coming up on Thursday, and I'm really, really looking forward to it. I, I'm very excited. I'm very excited to take the work that you've done here, put my own spin on it, and I think we're going to do that on Thursday um, this week. So the day of the draft, we'll we'll do this with my uh, predictive mock. While we're both in KC. Yes, while we are both in KC, because I have to submit mine to Jamie to be put, published on the website uh, middle of the day on, on Wednesday, and Jamie and I will be together and record the show, and so that's when we will uh, record the breakdown of my mock. I actually plan on spending the two-and-a-half-hour flight that I will be taking Wednesday morning 
morning yeah. uh, working on my mock. Roles get to be reversed. Yeah. All right. I get, get to, to take I, your brain and make you defend it. Right. I get I to like explain it. myself um, on, how, on how we do this. So uh, listen, folks, lots of great content coming for you this week. Um, if you're listening to this show on Monday, uh, tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the, the TDN social channels and the TDN YouTube channel, we are doing a live mock draft. Myself, Ryan Fowler, Damian Parson, uh, Keith Sanchez, we are getting together. I'll be hosting. We are putting together a live mock discussing picks just like Jamie and I did. So we'll have some fun for about an hour or so on the TDN social channels, uh, the Twitter account, uh, and the YouTube channel. So that's what you have on Monday. Uh, we've already mentioned a bunch of the stuff that's coming this week. You're going to want to be a member of the TDN Premium Discord because we've got some fun stuff planned uh, for members of the TDN Premium Discord and members of TDN Premium. So be on the lookout for that. And again, you're getting prospects and props all week long, TDN Daily all week long. So a lot of fun content coming for you this week on the website and on the various uh, social and content channels that we have. Uh, we will get to uh, regular takes on takes uh, later on this week and get your last thoughts uh, before the draft takes place on Thursday. So if you want to send those in, you can do so. Uh, I'm at Chris Schubert underscore on Twitter. Jamie's at Jamie Eisner on Twitter. Or if you're a member of the TDM Premium Discord, you can throw them in the Takes on Takes channel. So I hope everybody enjoyed this breakdown of Jamie's predictive mock that's probably going to change 37,000 times between now and the time he submits it on Wednesday. I uh, hope everybody has a great rest of their Monday. We'll talk to you all tomorrow. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.